There's less than a month to go before this year's WHA meeting. And again, Taiwan has not received an invitation. In response, Health Minister Xue Ruiyuan said he would lead a delegation to Geneva to call for Taiwan's inclusion in the WHO. FTV has learned that physician and politician Wu Xingdai will join the delegation, along with dentist and democracy activist Shi Shuhua and musician Zhu Yuexing, a.k.a. Joy Topper. This is my first time going. What is different this year from past years is that Taiwan now has much greater visibility on the international stage. I will be marching with a Formosan Medical Union banner, which will carry the signatures of many of the doctors who were on the front line during the pandemic. Former Academia Seneca President Wong Qihui will also follow the delegation to Switzerland to speak at events taking place concurrently with the WHA meeting. Premier Chen Jianren will also speak at the events via video conference. China's ambassador to France, Lu Shaye, caused an uproar last year when he said in an interview that Beijing would re-educate the people of Taiwan after unification with the island. Over the weekend, Lu once again appeared on French TV and spoke out about Taiwan in an interview. The CCP hardliner dismissed the interviewer's assertion that the people of Taiwan should decide their own fate retorting that the fate of Taiwan will be determined by the Chinese. Liu went on to mock the interviewer, asking whether he had ever gone to school. A Taiwanese lawmaker says Liu has managed to reveal China's true face. In an exclusive interview by French news channel LCI, Chinese Ambassador Lu Xiaoye was asked whether Taiwanese had the right to self-determination, and he had this to say. The fate of Taiwan and all the people in Taiwan is determined by the Chinese. We will do everything possible. If peaceful reunification cannot be achieved, we will take all possible actions. Liu also said that China is the party that's under threat because its territorial integrity is affected by Western countries. This answer reminded the host of the show that when France established diplomatic relations with China in 1964, Chinese leader Mao Zedong was massacring millions of people. He proceeded to ask the ambassador whether the exchanges with China today might repeat the same mistakes. Every time you interview me, you use false reasoning with false rumors from the past. You are dishonest. Millions of people died because of Mao Zedong. You call that false rumors? This is unfair and is inaccurate. Did you ever go to school? When the show host asked whether Crimea, which was annexed by Russia in 2014, belonged to Ukraine according to international law, Liu retorted. According to international law, countries that belong to the former Soviet Union don't have any international status. Liu's televised diatribe caused an uproar in 14 former Soviet countries in Eastern Europe. The Latvian foreign minister, the Ukrainian ambassador to France, and the foreign ministers of three Baltic countries all issued statements protesting against Liu. What Liu said shows that he is pestering murderers and wild, which are true to his name, and it's a true reflection of the image of China. Liu's controversial statement last year that China would re-educate Taiwanese after unification of Taiwan had caused an uproar. Now he has managed to offend more than a dozen countries, 
tarnishing China's image on the international stage even more. Chair of the board of AIT, Laura Rosenberger, was recently in Taiwan. While in Taipei, the American official was accompanied by AIT director Sandra Otkirk on a visit to Rauhe Street Night Market. The AIT has posted some photos of the duo on Facebook. In the post, Rosenberger said she had a fun night out and particularly loved the black pepper bun and squid on a stick. One of the photos shows Rosenberger and Oddkirk taking a selfie that was photobombed by three young people. AIT has left a message to the pranksters, saying that they should come forward as there are some presents waiting for them at the de facto American embassy. Daocheng is known for its beautiful historical buildings and fabric stores, but did you know that it was also a theater district? In the past, the area was not only an important commercial district, it was also known for the theater hub of Taipei. To highlight this history, the Dadaocheng Creative District Development Association organized a festival with performances and tours at various historical houses in the old neighborhood. Our reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a sneak peek. This glove puppetry performance was adapted from a novel written by Japanese writer Mitsuru Nishikawa during the Japanese colonial era. This is one performance that will be showcased at the theatrical and spring Dadaochen festival. During the festival, there will be 40 different performances and activities held at 15 different old houses in Dadaochen. We hold our performances in the neighborhood of Dadaocheng. Why in this neighborhood? Because everyone comes to Dadaocheng to look at the old buildings and they overlook the fact that Dadaocheng has a very rich tradition of opera and performance. Whether it is Taiwanese opera, Peking opera, Beiguan opera or jazz, we will feature them in all various indoor and outdoor venues. Our aim is to provide the audience with a different experience at these venues and environments. In the past, Dadaocheng was not only an important commercial district, it was also known as the theater hub of Taipei. Dadaocheng Creative District Development Association holds the theatrical and spring Dadaocheng festival every year. This year, there will be 40 activities including tours, performances, lectures, and exhibitions at 15 historical houses at Dadaocheng. One tour will be at the number 127 Dihua Street House. In the past, many large theaters were built by tea merchants. In addition to Taiwanese opera and glove puppetry shows, there were also some movies. These performances were held in indoor theaters. The front of the theater is where vendors sold their goods. One of Dadaocheng's biggest independent stores will be holding a series of performances and tours during the festival. The establishment was founded as a general store in 1922 by Guo Wulong. Later, it was transformed into the bookstore by Guo Wulong's grandson. We believe that our bookstore in Dihua Street is different from traditional bookstores. There are a total of five spaces to place different books. 
In addition, we believe that books should not only be showcased in a two-dimensional way, but can also be presented in different three-dimensional and dynamic displays. By combining innovative glove puppetry, traditional opera, picking opera, and jazz performances with the unique old houses of Da Daocheng, organizers hope to attract more people to visit the old town. We will start the festival at the Xiaohai City God Temple, and then also have performances at hotels, bars, or outdoor gardens. These venues are not where audiences usually watch performances. We have also created a unique production, a glove puppet fortune-telling show. We will hold the puppet show in a hotel and allow groups of three to enter the hotel to experience fortune-telling. This breaks the traditional norm of watching puppet shows. Through fortune-telling, we can provide a unique experience to our audience. This year, organizers will also host night activities. The festival will take place from April 28th till May 7th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hong Guokai in Taipei. As Taiwan's population slowly becomes super-aged, more and more older adults live alone or in older, unsafe buildings. Officials are discussing ways to solve this issue through urban renewal projects and social housing. However, exorbitant real estate prices, familiarity with their neighborhoods and emotional connections with their old homes mean many seniors are reluctant to move. Let's hear from some experts and older residents and find out what the real issues are. Our Sunday special report. Ms. Zhang, 93, has lived alone for 10 years in the third floor of an apartment building in Taipei Shilin District that has no elevator. Despite the need to climb the stairs every day when she gets home, Zhang has no desire to move elsewhere. It's no problem. I'm used to it. I'm 93 now, and I have no idea how many years I have left. Zhang sums up the situation faced by older adults in a few words. Since they don't know how many years they have left, many adults her age are resistant to change. In this community, older adults now account for 22% of the residents. That's above the WHO's 20% threshold to be considered a super-aged population. Here, it's not just the people who are older, the buildings are older too. For example, the three-story buildings in this neighborhood are all at least 60 years old. The four-story buildings are nearly 50 years old. In our borough, there aren't many households with access to an elevator, only roughly seven or eight in total. It's a very small proportion. According to statistics, roughly 430,000 older adults live in buildings with no elevator. Interior Ministry data from the first quarter of 2022 showed there were about 671,000 households composed of residents aged 65 or older. Of those, 510,000 were single resident households, a historic high. The greatest percentage of those live in New Taipei, accounting for more than 100,000 households in total, with Taipei coming in second at 76,000. However, not all of those who live in older buildings or who live alone are there for economic reasons. Some have children who've offered to provide other housing options. So why do so many older adults choose to remain in their older apartments? 
This 80-year-old woman, also surnamed Zhang, finishes her exercise class at a local community center and then rushes home to her husband who has reduced mobility. The couple lives apart from their children and grandchildren and they enjoy their simple life together. I'm happy living together with my husband. I'm not interested in living together with my children and grandchildren. When I think about all the problems that arise between the typical mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, I think it's better to keep a distance. When three generations live under the same roof, there are lots of problems. For example, there are different habits, different diets, generational differences, and different ideas about raising children. I think living together like that wouldn't be easy. Young people often say they would prefer not to live together with parents and grandparents. And today, grandparents sometimes say the same thing about living with children and grandchildren. Living together means space is more limited, and increasingly, grandparents are concerned about maintaining their autonomy and dignity. In 2016, our survey found that the trend was toward older and younger generations cohabiting. It found that more than 70% of those 65 and older felt that this type of living arrangement was ideal. However, five years later in 2021, only around 50% of respondents felt that this arrangement was a good idea. Older people are changing their way of thinking, abandoning traditional ideas about living together with the younger generation, and preferring instead to enjoy their own lives. Hello? Hello? However, as people grow older and their physiological functions deteriorate, the children who live apart from them grow worried about their parents' health and safety. They may wish for their parents to live in a nursing home, which would be safer in an earthquake and has no stairs to climb. I don't want to move somewhere else, because housing is so expensive now. I bought my old home for just around 7 or 8 million NT. If I want to move to a building with an elevator, and the place has to be bought, that's going to be more of a burden on my children than I want to give them. High real estate prices are one reason older adults don't wish to move, but another reason is the emotional connection they have with their old home. This five-story apartment building in New Taipei's Yonghe district is where Mr. Lin bought his first home with his wife when the couple moved to the city from central Taiwan 40 years ago. About four or five years after I moved to the Taipei area for business and we bought our first place. It was also the last place we ever bought. Of course, I have an emotional connection to it. In the 1970s, to meet the influx of people moving to Taipei for work, a large number of residential buildings were built. These were built four or five stories in height, meaning they weren't required to have elevators. Many urban migrants bought units in these buildings and started families after establishing their careers. For these people, it's hard to detach themselves from the emotions they have tied up in these homes. A house is not a home. We often say that a house is not a home. We call it a house, but no, it's a home. In our research, we discovered that for older adults, a place of residence is not just where they live. The place may also hold special meaning for them, including that attached to their personal development. It's where they raised their family, where they watched their children grow up. 
Some people try to send their older parents to a nursing home, only to be met with refusal and a very pointed response. They may say, you don't want me, you've grown up, so you just want to abandon me at some care home. Older people may have these types of doubts or thoughts. Conflict often arises over where older members of a family should live. Children may feel that a change of environment is in their parents' interest, but their parents may prefer to live in their old home. It's possible that children and parents will walk away upset every time the issue is discussed. The children worry about their parents' safety and encourage, or even demand, that they move somewhere else. It may be a good idea to remind younger people and middle-aged people that when they discuss this with their parents, it's best to have a bit more patience. Lin Jingkun's daughter always maintained hope that she could convince her father to move, but he was not convinced. Later, after learning about a city program that could get her father into social housing immediately, she decided to approach the subject with him once again. We exchange housing units on a one-to-one -one basis. We provide social housing to older people in exchange for their old apartments, allowing them to move into a social housing complex immediately. We take the old apartment and rent it out to a young person. Go, go. Mr. Lin and his daughter Li Fen discussed the housing exchange program, including what district he would live in if he participates, and what amenities he would need access to in his new neighborhood. My daughter lives in Tuchan district. So in other words, if I had to live in Sanchong district or some other part of the city that's far from Tuchan, I couldn't accept that. Ms. Lin learned that a new social housing complex in Tuchan was near completion, and that the new complex met with her parents' requirements. She brought them to the area to check things out for themselves. Once they realized they could continue the lifestyle patterns in the new neighborhood, they slowly got on board with the idea. I think it has to be done step by step. You have to help older people with moving, and then they may begin to feel at ease. For example, whatever they need to get done, they must know where to do it. If they know where things like the post office, the bank, and the traditional market are, then they get settled, and they will come to accept their new surroundings. With Ms. Lin's help, her parents made the move from Yonghe to Tucheng. Experts say that if parents are adamant about not moving, it's best to respect their wishes. However, in that case, it is advised to carefully inspect their old apartment to ensure it remains safe. An occupational therapist says two areas of the home in particular are places where older adults tend to have falls. For example, if I'm sitting here, I'm likely to hold onto the sink for support. However, I must remind everyone that the sink wasn't designed to support a person's weight. You should think about whether there is something else you could hold on to. Normally, we would advise installing a support bar. The bedside is also an area that is commonly overlooked. When you first wake up, you aren't totally alert, and if you try to quickly stand up and there's nothing to hold on to, you will end up having a fall next to the bed. He also recommends that older people living in buildings without elevators consider renting a stair-climbing device.
The expert advises that adults discuss living arrangements with their children before they reach their 70s or 80s, at which time moving becomes more difficult. As Taiwan becomes a super-aged society, the issue of suitable housing for older adults becomes an increasingly pressing issue. Well, last week we saw the biggest spring shower of the year so far. Well, that came to an end. Another weather front and the northeast monsoon will arrive Tuesday night. The Central Weather Bureau says temperatures will dip by 8 degrees, but the precipitation this time will fall mainly in the north and northeast, lasting just two days. So the drought in central and southern Taiwan will continue. Let's get the details from the CWB. On Tuesday night, another weather front will gradually approach and pass through Taiwan, and the northeast monsoon will strengthen on the 26th, so the weather will be unstable on the 25th and 26th. These cloud systems are mainly in South China. The moisture will drift in at a higher altitude, so it will be mainly the northern region that will get the rain. There is also a chance of rain in the central region, but the amount will be very small. From Sunday to Tuesday, only the north and the eastern half of the island will see brief scattered showers with rising temperatures. The mercury could reach 29 degrees in the north on Tuesday during the day. However, starting Tuesday night, the northeast monsoon will pick up as the weather front arrives. Temperatures could drop by 8 degrees. The north and eastern half of the island, as well as mountainous regions in the center and south, will see brief showers. The northeast monsoon will gradually taper off on Thursday, according to the CWB.